Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Hey, if you listen to this show regularly, you know that my purpose of hosting this show is to bring a variety of people who can inspire you with their stories and their advice and and their life's journey of how they themselves got into being an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a business leader, or just somebody inside a company who has that extra dose of entrepreneurship and is that intrapreneur. Uh, I try to interview people from all different types, big companies, small companies, everything in between, with the whole idea that you're going to pick up a nugget a concept, a theory that's going to inspire you to do so much more with your business. And today is going to be no different. Today, I've got a great guest. She's somebody who I met at the New Media Summit, and she is a ball of energy. She's very successful. She started off her career as an actress. I want to ask her a little bit about that. Uh, She went on to the corporate world, and then one day she said, you know what? Enough of this. My ladder's against the wrong wall, and she started her own business. So she is a visibility expert who really helps other people become that celebrated authority in their field. And she does it herself. She does all that stuff uh, within what she does. So it's going to be really exciting to talk to her. So Debbie Dashinger, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Tom Singer, thank you so much for having me. It is awesome to be here. So I don't like to read bios and stuff. So why don't you tell everybody who is Debbie and what do you do? What's your business all about? You bet. So my business is is all about becoming the go-to celebrated person, the expert in your field. I am a great believer in visibility. And to me, visibility means taking what you do and letting the world know you exist, your business, and your message. I love to do that through books, through taking books to bestsellers, through being interviewed and getting PR, or from hosting your own show. There's a lot of ways to use visibility, and that's what I teach, and that's what I do. I tell people all the time, especially like in the world of just building your career, not even being a visible expert, but just in building a career, your network, your brand, I tell people all the time, if you're the best-kept secret, you're going to have skinny kids. You're not making all the money that you can make if you're the best-kept secret. And if you're not the one who's out there taking charge of that, no one else is going to do it for you. You have to take ownership of, of that visibility no matter what you're trying to accomplish. So I think that's awesome. So let's go back. You started off as an actress. I think that's cool because when I was a kid, I wanted to be an actor and I never really pursued it. So I, I always get jealous when people were actually working as an actor. So tell us about your early days. Yeah, early days, literally from inception, that's all I wanted to do. I used to sing as a little kid. I used to get in every production I could. When I was growing up, my mom sent me off every summer to summer stock so I could act and sing. And then I got old enough to start doing it out in the world. I went to college for that, USC. And then I started doing it as soon as I left. And that was my great love. That really was the place where I felt most at home and expressive. It was the right thing. For me to do. So you came and out of my, you came out of USC. Did you do yeah. like Hollywood type acting? Were you on any anything we might have heard of? What'd you do? Well, you know, I can tell you some shows and some people that I acted with that were pretty awesome, like Patricia Arquette, actually also David Arquette. We're all in the same show uh, series. And what else? You know, I did lots of shows. I did lots of commercials. I did lots of theater and a little bit of film. Mostly for me, live venues is where I got my mojo. 
You liked you liked that live audience. So so Broadway would have been your calling if you had stayed with it. Yeah, and funny enough, originally from New York, but I really felt in my soul I want to be in LA. So I had to work the theater scene out here, but I also was able to travel all over the world. I even got to go to Vegas and keep my clothes on and perform. And- <laughs> Boy, there's a, that's a whole different show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it took me around the world and some really amazing situations and I got to meet a lot of people and Arnold Schwarzenegger and just a lot of stars. It was phenomenal. Go to award shows. I loved it. I really loved the glamour of it, but I loved the celebration of taking somebody's words and making it come to life and mm. inhabiting somebody else's skin. I found that fascinating. And then then you went to corporate America. What happened there? What's the next part of the journey? Yeah, wah, wah. <laughs> I went to corporate America, Tom, because I found it difficult. I got to a point in my career where I was actually booking the most jobs, but something started to change in me and I had no clue why I was changing. But I was clear that I wasn't going to show up to do acting the way I had. And for me to not be professional was unacceptable. And it would show, of course. So I knew I needed something for money and for vacations and maybe some medical. So I said, you know, I think I'll just try this contract kind of work and I'll put myself out there and see how it goes. And for a while, it was pretty interesting. Here's what I want to say. I am not built for corporate America. That much is so. I am absolutely somebody who thrives on being my own authority. I love to go to my own rhythm. You don't have to tell me what to do. Give me the work and just set me free and I'll take care of it and I'll do a bang up job. So corporate America and all its rules, just not a great place for me. And I was also doing a rocket science government job for NASA. So it was difficult. But I also want to say, I think I needed to be there. I think that was a really important journey because I learned how to put together a business letter. Frankly, they taught me everything about computers. I learned how to work a copy machine, a fax machine, and everything else. And I learned how to do ergonomics and like all these amazing pieces that when I became an entrepreneur, I applied to being an entrepreneur. I didn't have an uptake. I knew it already. So corporate really served me as a learning experience for business only. But as far as personality wise, whoa, <laughs> it was it was quite a ride. Yeah, it's good. Been there, done that. Now I know I don't need to again. So then you started your own thing. You left corporate and, and now you're doing what you're doing now. Tell us about that. How did that transition yeah. happen? Yeah. So the transition happened immediately. And the first thing I started doing was books because at the time when I went out there, I had done my books into international bestsellers and so many people were curious, how did you do that? And can you teach me? I had a company that came to me that was worldwide and they said, can you teach our people? And so I started teaching that. And then people said, well, that was a great class. Thanks for teaching. But you know what? It'd be really neat if you could just do it for me. So a company was born. And as much as I had clients coming in and was doing very well. It was a great niche to be in. What I also found was I was struggling financially. It took off, but it didn't take off to where I wanted. So then I started to go through what I think most entrepreneurs go through is finding like, where's my sweet spot? How do I communicate what I do? Where is my people to do what I want to do? And how do I fully monetize what I'm doing? So that alone was a journey. And I had to be kind because they often say you need at least five years to stand on your feet. So I had to be kind through those years and understand I'm on my way. I'm not quite there, 
but darn it, I'm going to get there. <laughs> so now that you've gotten there, what is it that you love about the entrepreneurial life that you've created? I love the freedom. I I love fun and freedom and fabulousness. I think that the people who are attracted to my work are so awesome to work with. I become friends with most of my clients uh, to varying degrees. I would have a meal with any of them or a glass of wine with any of them, but I really believe in who they are and what they do. And that's important. The other thing is when I hear somebody say, you have done better for me than any other. So I also book people on radio and podcasts. And I've had people say, you've done better for me than any publicist ever has. That makes me feel really good. A job <laughs> well done. And I also love what I do because I feel like this PR piece, this visibility is something people don't know about and they don't realize how potent it is. And if they would step into it, what's possible. And if they step into it correctly, they're trained and coached, how much is possible? So, so don't you think I that this is all changing a lot though now? I mean, with all of the podcasts and all of the social media and all of the, all the new stuff, is, is the ability to get visibility easier or harder? I think it's easier. I think it's so easy. I think it's really important to have discernment. Just because there are a million options out there doesn't mean they're all great. I believe in great. I believe in big audiences, and I believe in the right audience for what you do. So yes, it's exponentialized, but no, they're not all fabulous. Just a lot of people jumped on the bandwagon because it was there. Well, I mean, I've seen it, you know, I've been doing this podcast now for almost four years, a little, a little over three and a half, not quite four years. And when I started, I waited about a year too long because a year earlier, I think my show would have just gone kabam, but... I actually started my show the same time celebrities and brands started to get into the podcasting world. Gary Vaynerchuk and I released our shows the same day, which mm -hmm. lets you know that there was a little bit of a different world between who I was and who Gary Vaynerchuk was. And so I've seen so many brands and celebrities. I mean, my show was ranked for the first year I was out there. And while my listenership is larger, I'm not ranked anymore because there's just so many celebrities and brands who have shows, uh, which has you know sort of changed that up. But at the same time, I agree with you. I think it's easier to get publicity, and I think that it's not just about the celebrities and brands. I think there's a lot of shows out there that are getting two, four, five, six thousand downloads who might be better than even being on the Today Show. Because you know, I mean, you know a lot about books. If you go back twenty years, if you could be interviewed as an author on the Today Show, you were guaranteed you were going to sell ten thousand books. I mean, it was just going to move product. Now it only moves hundreds of products because used to be everybody only had three stations to watch in the morning. Now you've got all the morning shows, all the cable shows, and yet more and more people are leaving regular media and listening to podcasts in the morning. Yeah. So the sacred becomes mundane, right? When you talk about television, it's true. It used to be a sacred thing. It used to be a really original thing to see an author. Now it's like, yeah, everybody's putting out books. So what makes yours stand out? It just makes technology more important and the change is more important. And even as a host, when you talk about when you released your show, how important it is for you to stand out, like really have a unique personality, a unique point of view, and how you deliver your show or how you show up for an interview. But I want to say to you, Tom, that even though you feel like your timing was off, I think it's all relevant because my show, I started 11 years ago. 11 years ago when there was only radio and there wasn't even <laughs> podcast. So when podcast came along and it became really clear, oh, this is here to stay. 
this is growing by leaps and bounds. I had to make adjustments too. Mm -hmm. Whereas I had a huge reach. Suddenly people are looking at all these other podcasts to get their material. So I had to make a lot of adjustments and I continue to do so. Keep my finger on the pulse and what can I do to make this show greater and more fun for me too? I think it's important to be open to all of those oh, shifts. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's true in my world. I make my living as a, as a professional speaker and master of ceremonies, and more and more people have an incident happen in their life, and they suddenly want to become a speaker. And then they wonder why it's not working, and I'll, I'll go watch them speak. I'll coach some people on how to do it. And they get up there, and they just go, wah, 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 well, like Charlie Brown's teacher. Nobody's tuning in because they're not telling a story. They're not slowing down and bringing the audience along the journey. They're just dumping a bunch of facts and figures at them and showing them a couple of videos. And they wonder why, you know, it, nothing's happening on it. And I, I think you hit on a, a key point. You have to find a way to differentiate yourself. And a lot of that, I think, for people really comes down to your personality. And are you – so many people I interview, and certainly not you, but so many people I interview, they hold back because they want to be podcast guest person while they're being interviewed. And I think the best guests are the people who just, bam, they're right out there. They're 100% who they are. When you say that, it reminds me of when I do red carpet interviews, which is really interesting to work with celebrities. And I enjoy it a lot because I feel like it's my job to frankly hold a space of love so they feel very comfortable. They are so well-schooled in delivering a soundbite, but also to know that they have to show up as themselves. And I've had amazing experiences with some of these celebs that uh, Paula Abdul, I have to say, was delightful, as petite and adorable as you might imagine. And she did an incredible job. And one of my favorite experiences of somebody who showed up on a mic and was able to be themselves, but also spontaneous, was the three tenors. They're mm. so good. And I was interviewing them for a function, and I couldn't help myself. I had to say, would you mind just singing something a cappella? And they broke out into the song in three-part harmony, Hallelujah, oh, which wow. is about most angels. Most powerful and I'm like, song, yeah. Like, it's one of my favorites. It was the most beautiful a cappella rendition. And then, as if that wasn't enough, one of the tenors reached out and pulled me into the camera so they could sing to me. Huh. I was... I was quelling. <laughs> and it was like a moment like, oh, my God, you got this on tape. I can watch it over and over because this is like, don't let this stop. This is so beautiful. People can sometimes show up in ways when they have a mic in front of their face that is really compelling and really unique and be arresting at a moment that's unexpected. And I think that's phenomenal. So what advice do you have for someone who wants to – become an entrepreneur. They're, they're struggling wherever they are. They feel they're in the wrong place. Maybe like you said, they had to go through that journey, but that journey's over. If they want to start their own business and go do their own thing, what advice would you give them? Yeah, it's a good question. I think the first advice is it's so important rather than logic to go with what is your real passion I think once you explore your passion, then to understand you can imbue your passion with some of your hobbies and loves. So for instance, I do visibility out in the world. I'm also a wine specialist. It's true. I'm obsessed with wine. I've taken a lot of classes. I've gotten certified. And I would love to imbue my career and what I offer to people with wine. Well, so sign me up. Right? Jeez. <laughs> 
How does it get any better? And what else do you do? Oh, I was a singer. So maybe I, there could be some karaoke in there or something else fun. But you could take also at some point your passions or for you with speaking, there are things that you can put into what you're already doing out in the world and getting paid for and ha- also bleed in a little bit of what you're phenomenal, your gifts, your talents. And whatever you're not good at, we all have to realize whether we put it on a credit card or pay cash, you have got to hire someone who knows better and does better at those pieces that you just abhor. So I had to hire somebody to teach me about the monetizing part. Like I got, I'm talent, no worries. But how am I going to take that out in the world and create a product someone gets, message it in a way that they understand what they'll receive by working with me? And where do I even show up so that people can see me and know what I do? And so I got coaching and all of that. And I have to say, like best investment, you know, total ROI times 10, everything got returned to me because that's how my business took off. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I, I agree. That's one of the things I've started doing recently is people are always asking me sort of how do I make money speaking? And, and they don't want to be a full-time speaker. They don't want to go down the path that I've gone down, but because they're an expert, because they have visibility, they're getting asked suddenly and they have no idea. Do they charge $500 or $15,000? And so what I've started doing is just finding a way just to help people across the landmines. They still have to figure it out. They have to go find the business. But, you know, at first people are like, I I don't know. And then they find out, oh, sometimes it's as easy as asking the person who calls them, what's your budget? And like I had one person who I helped and they said, I never get paid. And I told them how to ask. And the first person who called had $1,500. And they were like, I would have done it for free. So, you know, but for me, I mean, that's a natural question I'm going to ask when somebody calls. I I recently got offered the opportunity to, I won't say where, but in a foreign country to, and it was a legit gig. They wanted me to come and be the speaker for an award ceremony. And they just wanted to pay my airfare and I, I wouldn't do it. And they were shocked that I wouldn't take a free trip to this country. But it's like, you're asking me to leave my wife and kids for five days by the time I get there and back. And it's like, you know, no, no. And they came back and said, well, then you're not the choice. We're looking for someone for free. And you know what I said? That's awesome. <laughs> you know, that's, that's totally fine because I was willing to walk away from it because I, I, I'm not going to travel across the world to, you know, to do that. But they'll find somebody who will, who will love that. And in fact, you know, I gave them a couple of names of a couple of people who would be great, who don't charge, who would think, wow, three days, four days, and would be awesome. But you know, I just find it so easy to teach people to ask for what they want. So it's, I, I do think that that having someone to coach you through what seems simple for them, you know, and is simple for them, really can open up your doors to other opportunities. And you know, my my thing is is that I also learned that saying no is is equally as important as saying yes. Hundred percent. I am so right there with you. We have to value our time. That's the bottom line. We have to know our worth and our value, and also a no is always opening the door for the right yes to come through for us, the right fit. So that's such a great story. What I love about what you said, and besides that I wrote down, what is your budget? Brilliant. (laughs) Is that somebody who works with you is going to get where they need to go quickly. And the fact that you teach speaking, which is something that many entrepreneurs want to learn how to do. I'll tell you another reason why your coaching is so important. Because when I got started as a speaker, I did the right things. I went to Toastmasters three years. I started delivering workshops. So that was all good. What I found, Tom, was I was always behind the eight ball. 
So I started getting up, uh, for instance, I went to Vancouver and I was in front of hundreds of people and I was talking about, you know, how to be visible and telling stories. It was really going well. And at the end, I offer all these packages, you know, here's a $9,000 package, but it's only this. Here's a, this much package and it's only that. I'm doing a total Lisa Sasevich thing, Mm -hmm. not realizing it's now passe. Like people aren't even doing that. And no one's buying at that price point. So I sold, but I didn't do really well. And then the next time, like, oh, let me get my gears changed. Okay, this is what's going on. This is now what audiences are looking for. And then I'm doing things at 397 and someone comes up and says, sweetie, it's like 97 and you offer something for free. And I'm like, oh, word. Like, how do you keep up with all these well, changes? And you bring up a really interesting thing is that it also depends on the type of event. The places I speak, I can't sell mm-hmm. anything. They don't even want me to talk that I do coaching. It's like you, you can do that in your life, but you can't tell my audience you do it because so many people have come in and done sort of all that pitch, pitch, pitch from the stage. They want 100% of the time to be, you know, content. And, you know, that doesn't mean that sell from the stage is dead, but it does change and morph as you were describing. But you also have to be very aware who's my client and who's their audience. Because if you get up and do it wrong, you know, if you're if you're at a place where they're expecting to be able to get a piece of you and have coaching and you don't offer it, then they're like, well, why not? What's wrong with him? So it's it's that thing of knowing what the trends are at the time and then also knowing that particular conference. You know, I always tell people speaking is not one industry. It's 10 different industries. You got to figure out where you fit because you can't live in all 10 of them. Yes. Oh, that's so beautiful. Last year, I was asked to speak at a university for the alumni and for the graduating students. That was a very nicely paid for speech. And I really liked actually showing up because I didn't have to wear a mantle of how am I going to you know, manage the sales at the end. It just was about delivery and connection. And my favorite part was at the end, these, the hearts of these students and even some adults who had gone back to school to get an education that they hadn't formally gotten changed their lives. They were all heart showing up and they got to do a Q&A with me. And it was phenomenal because none of this is scripted. I didn't know the questions <laughs> coming, right? And people were so vulnerable. So I was able to really show up and uh, offer some wisdom and direction. But I have to say, sometimes the prepaid, no sales, those are real winners for me. It also frees me up a lot. Well, I actually, because that's the world that I sort of live in, you know, I actually think it's a it's a b- better place because you're getting a hundred percent of what that speaker has to offer, not just ten percent with you know buy the rest mm-hmm. later. But you know, you're talking about speaking at colleges, so I don't speak at a lot of colleges, and part of that is is a lot of them kind of balk at the fee that I charge. But every now and then, it'll be nearby, or I've been brought into several colleges where the professor has seen me and gone to the dean and said, "Yeah, we're bringing this this person in." And uh, I spoke at Purdue last year. And I still keep in touch with a couple of the students who came to the one – I spoke to a couple of classes and then I did an evening thing. And what was interesting was the ones who were in the class, I said, you don't have to come tonight because it's the same talk. And this one guy came and he literally said, in four years of college, I've never been to a presentation, whether it was a professor or you know, a, a guest speaker – that was this life changing. So he came again that night and I of course put him on the spot and made him say that he was embarrassed because he basically had to tell (laughs) his professors, you're not as good as this person is, but he, I still keep in touch with him. I still get emails from him and people say things like, well, you know, the millennials, the younger generation, they're not interested in this type of stuff. Just what you said. They are so thoughtful. They so want to stay and ask the questions. They so are interested in bettering themselves that I wish I spoke at more colleges. 
Well, two things. First of all, now I really want to see you speak because if somebody said that was life-changing and people stay in touch with you, that's big. That's really big. And that shows the potency and the impact you're having in the world. But I also know you and I've seen you. I know you're funny. I know you're deep and interesting, but I'd still love to see you speak. And um, there was another piece there about what you said about the student, but I've lost that now. When oh. it comes back, I'll bring it up. <laughs> well, that's right. Well, so you've coached a lot of people through this whole visibility thing. And one of the things I love to ask people who come on the show is about this gap that exists between potential and results. Because people get so excited. Oh, I have so much potential with my new project. And they never reach it. How come some people are able to get farther across that gap than others? What's the secret sauce that allows you know two people with potential one finds success and one doesn't. What's the difference? For me, as somebody who works as a consultant, when I have a client who's hungry, who says, okay, look, I've tried all this and I am really clear I don't have all the answers or I'm just starting and I don't have all the answers. If they're willing to take direction and suggestions, a hundred percent, they always do so well. Then I have people, um, very rarely, but if someone is uh, really jumping at opportunities, but they haven't done some of the homework, it can turn out poorly. For instance, I have some clients, I got them booked on a ton of stuff, and then I started watching what they were doing. I was knowing that they had been out there before, they had done tons of interviews, television, radio, but when I, I tuned in and started to hear them on a particular show, I realized they kept talking and talking and talking, which you cannot do on air. You must have a conversation and Mm -hmm. take a breath. (laughs) And the audience can only hear so much. So I realized I had to pull them back from everything they were set up on, say, we need to do some last-minute coaching so that something else starts taking place in your space. Also, I'm a big believer in rhythm, and people don't understand the difference with rhythm. You know, throwing in a statistic, throwing in a story, being able to say something in a soundbite telling something a little longer. Like people love rhythm being shifted up and that's really helpful. So for someone who's hungry, someone who's willing and someone who'll do the work, I mean, really that's it. If you're going to write a book, you can't think about it in your head. But if I say, great, can you sit down for 30 minutes and write two pages a day? We'll have a book in 40 days. days. Yeah, that's right. right. That's how I wrote my first book. It was, it was three pages, three to four pages every morning, you know, and all of a sudden for 40 days. And all of a sudden, I had the, dra- the first draft. See, I'll work with you any day. <laughs> and <that's, laughs> You'd be great. That's right. That's what I was told to do. I just did what I was told to do, and it, and it worked. So, Debbie, I've got more questions for you. I'm not going to let you go yet. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Hey, Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work. I hate the technical work. That's why they do it. Uh, And they will, so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Debbie Dashinger. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer they have for the listeners of this show. So Debbie, I call the show. Cool things entrepreneurs do. What's the coolest thing you're doing in your business right now? I think the coolest thing I'm doing is that I'm in a year-long coaching program that is really stretching me. 
So it's stretching me to do all the things that I know I like to do, I'm here to do, but I'm not fully comfortable doing. That means I'm going to be getting on stage a whole lot more. That means I'm actually tracking finances ah, <laughs> and I'm, t- I'm turning them into the the coach and his crew, and they're going to watch me through the year. That means that I have agreed to do a certain amount of visibility strategy calls with people. You know, newbies, people who hear about me and I'm sure about you, they always want to know, well, what's possible or how can I work with you? And I've learned that often those free consult calls, they're a little bit, uh, they're hard. You know, they're hard to do in 15 minutes and really deliver some content. So I started setting up 45-minute strategy calls for only $97. So that's something else that I have a quota to meet so that I can really reach more people. Really what I'm up to today that feels very cool is that I'm exponentializing everything in a big, badass way. Wow, I love the idea of 45-minute introduction conference calls for a very nominal fee. I, I just wrote that down. I think that, that I think I'm going to do that same thing because – there are people who who want to do stuff, and I, I just can't, you know, do it for free for everybody. But I've never thought about that. I could just have a calendar a day of the week that I do it, and people could just sign up. And I think that's brilliant. So I'm going to steal that idea. Yay! And when you think about it, it's a great opportunity because you can find out what works in their business, what doesn't work in their business, anything that's related to what your expertise is, where they might see themselves, what they might like that's not there. And then it's very easy to fill in the blanks. I do a little bit of research too on the person. So I'm really, I have a heightened awareness when I go into it. And then you have an option when it's done. It could be like, great talking to you, best of luck. Or if you'd like to take this $97 and apply it to one of my programs, that is available to you. That's, that's a, it's a brilliant way of doing it. I'm going to have to look, in, look into doing that myself. So Debbie, I love to ask the people who come on the show who they admire in the world of entrepreneurship, because we could talk about Debbie all day long and all the cool things you're doing. But I think entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. So I love to hear what people who come on the show, who they say, wow, he or she, they're doing cool things. Totally. There is two people, a friend of mine, Natalie Ledwell. Some people might know she's very big out in the world. She does something called Mind Movies. And I love Natalie and what she's created. First of all, she's a really powerful woman, like you could feel her, Australian woman. And she came from uh, not a lot of money, the people who started her company, Mind Movies, they put so much on credit cards. It's actually an unbelievable story of almost a million dollars on credit cards. And they started finally making sales, right? And the sales wouldn't go through because PayPal would not allow them. They had to vet everybody. They said, it's too much money. We don't know what's up. It took them a year to get the money they had earned, but they would not stop. And here she is. I think it's, a, it's at least a decade later. But she, let's just say she does very well for herself, lives in a nice place, drives a great car. But here's what's mostly important and why I admire her. She really does what she loves. She's on camera all the time, and she interviews people who, in my estimation, are a masterclass. She also becomes friends with them, which I find fascinating and wonderful. And she travels the entire world. So she has so much freedom from doing what she loves, and I think she owns it. And to me, that's the kind of life I'm interested in living, too. That's awesome. And who's the other person? You said there were two. Yeah, it's Marie Forleo. Oy. Yeah, Marie <laughs> Forleo. You know, she's unbelievable. And I know she's admired by a lot of people. But when you see, you know, she came, she was a dancer. She was a fitness person. 
and she became this business coach and she just followed her uniqueness. That's the bottom line. She wasn't doing what other people were doing. She said, you know, I want to write these blogs in a particular way and then I want to do this video, but I don't want to just do a video to share wisdom. I'm going to be my quirky self. And she's really very funny. (laughs) So whatever you receive is her. Now she also interviews these very amazing guests and they're, they're short enough that you can really ingest them and get some nuggets from them. And she's met Oprah and she's met Tony Robbins. I mean, now she's hanging out with a really echelon crowd, but she also has just followed her own path that was indigenous to her, different than everybody else and created so much success from it. And I am very impressed by her empire. Nice, nice. So the last question I ask everybody is, what do you do to give back to the greater good? Because I think if we're successful, it's more than about making money. I think we have to somehow leave a mark. So what do you do to serve others? Yeah, I love animals. And so I have three books out. They're all international bestsellers. And I have an agreement with my co-writer on the third book that every almost everything we make in that book goes to an animal organization. And it actually saves not just uh, the usual shelter animals, but world animals too. Mm. And that's very important to me that we show up for our four-leggeds, our wingeds, our two-leggeds in a way that mankind doesn't often honor. And I have a sense too with where I'm getting into a bigger badass career right now that I really want to show up and be a spokesperson for autoimmune disorders Mm. because they're so prevalent and they often do not have a source or a solution. And I want to put an end to that so people have a lot of relief. I think both of those are awesome. Thank you for all that you do. So Debbie, this was delightful. If people are listening to this and they're like, I need visibility, I need to know this woman, how do they find you? Yeah, I hope you will find me because I I would love to see what you're doing out in the world. Well, you can send me an email at bestseller at debbie-shinger.com. My website, D-E-B-B-I, D-A-C-H-I-N-G-E-R. And I have so many offerings. I'm also doing an anthology book right now that I'm heading up. And I'm offering for authors to add submissions if they would like to be an author. We're vetting people right now and people are submitting. And it's an unbelievable package. And that's at debbied.net slash anthology. It's D-E-B-B-I-D dot net slash anthology. So lots available. Nice, nice. Well, everybody go look her up. She's fascinating. She's delightful. And like I said, she's full of energy and full of ideas. So I was so happy when she agreed to be here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Debbie, thank you, thank you, thank you. Cool. Thank you, Tom. And thanks to everybody who tuned in. I say it every show. If it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. So keep listening. Uh, We are 360 plus episodes uh, into this show and we're not stopping anytime soon. So keep tuning in. Keep telling your friends. Jump over to iTunes and hit subscribe. Better yet, jump over to iTunes, hit subscribe, and leave a review for the show. Why? because it just makes my day better when there's a new review for the show. Uh, Go and tell your friends about it, because that's the way most people find my show, is somebody tells them. So be that conduit who lets your friends know about cool things entrepreneurs do. If you want to find out information about me, go to Tom Singer, T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R.com. You can find me on all the regular social medias. Usually it's Tom Singer, uh, or you can find me on Twitter, at Cool Podcast. And then uh, if you want to get involved with the group coaching program, go to potentialmastermind.com because we talk about the paradox of potential. Because as I said earlier, potential doesn't equal results. If you're feeling 
feeling that in your bones, maybe you need a group who will help kind of push you along across that gap. Go to PotentialMastermind.com. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Debbie. I know you're thinking, how is that possible? But it is. But in the meantime, I'm going to challenge you. Go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.